Welcome to the weekly edition of the Adrian Sports Talk Podcast and on this episode we will be looking back at NCAA college football and the NFL and so much more. So grab your ticket, get on board because this train is getting ready to roll down the track. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with the conductor, Anthony Smith, and that show is starting next. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and have we got a lot to get to, so let's just get on into it. Lots and lots of action. Matter of fact, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to start off with the local flavor, okay? Wichita State had a game yesterday, Coke Arena, against those heralded Oklahoma State Cowboys, and namely, Cade Cunningham. So, let's hear a few highlights from that. Well, it's coming up. Just hold tight. Technology has this way of putting us at its mercy. But here come these highlights. Cunningham now with seven. Gilbert to beat the buzzer. Wouldn't go. And Oklahoma State will take a six-point lead into the halftime break thanks to Walker's 10, Bob, and Likely's 10, while Cunningham with just five first-half points. And he hooks one over Dexter Dennis anyway. Cunningham now with seven. Gilbert to beat the buzzer. Wouldn't go. And Oklahoma State will take a six-point lead into the halftime break thanks to Walker's 10, Bob, and Likely's 10, while Cunningham was a little chilly. And you just heard him say Cunningham was a little chilly. Cunningham had 10 points for the game. But, but, he came up with key shots when he needed to. And namely, the shot that basically won in the game on a three-pointer over Dexter Dennis, who... Held his own against Kate Cunningham. He actually held him to 10 points in the game, but what counted at the end was the fact that Oklahoma State walked out with the victory by the score of 76 
264. So that's just some of what's going on. Uh, like I said, today we're going to look back at NCAA scores, top 25 mainly. Uh, Illinois, number 14, Northwestern knocked off Illinois 28 to 10. Number four, Ohio State and Michigan. That game was canceled. There's a lot of talk going on behind that. Number 21, Colorado got it handed to them by Utah, 38-21. So as far as the Pac-10 is concerned, next week's Pac-10 championship game will pit USC, who barely once again squeaked out another victory over their rival UCLA, will be going up against the Washington Huskies if they have enough bodies to fill out the team. Number 11, OU and West Virginia University. That game was canceled. Number 9, Georgia went into Columbus, Missouri and manhandled the 25-ranked Missouri Tigers by score 49-14. Sticking with the SEC, number 1, Alabama flexed their muscle over a hapless Arkansas team who at times have been playing competitively this year in the SEC, even springing off a leaving upset or two. But they were no match as Alabama flexed by a score of 52-3. Number 13, Coastal Carolina still undefeated in their hard-fought game, but they won 42-38. University of North Carolina, and on one of my other podcasts, I played highlights. It was very brutal. North Carolina, number 17, goes into Miami. Coral Gables, to be exact, and manhandled the number 10th ranked Miami Hurricanes by a score of 62 to 26. They literally ran all over them. Number 12, Indiana and Purdue canceled. Number 16, Iowa cruised past Wisconsin by the score of 28 to 7. Number 22, Oklahoma State. Went into Waco, Texas, and did some very bad things to Baylor to the tune of 42 to 3. A game that was supposed to be in Tulsa was canceled. Number 8, Cincinnati, against number 24, Tulsa. That game would be moved to Cincinnati for the AAC Championship. There's a lot of talk going back and forth behind that situation as well, too. Also canceled, which may have been a good thing for the Kansas Jayhawks, who were looking for their first win. Doubt they would get it. So the best thing that happened was game canceled between them and number 20, Texas. In a crazy game, LSU Tigers went into the swamp and came up with a three-point victory over the number six Florida Gators by a score of 37-34. There's one team that probably won't be making the college football playoffs. What will they do for number eight, Cincinnati? Hopefully that helps to move up. A team I alluded to earlier, and I can give you the score. Number 15, USC, finds ways to win. 
I'm going to go ahead and go on record so they have to be the most fraudulent, undefeated, 15th ranked team in the country. They come up with a 43-38 victory over their crosstown rival UCLA. My score of 43-38. Another game that was postponed was Mississippi at number 5, Texas A&M. So let's go ahead, now that we have given you those scores, let's just go ahead and give you some news right now. The Auburn Tigers fire football coach Gus Malzahn after eight seasons. Auburn has fired head football coach Gus Malzahn, the school announced Sunday. The decision comes less than 24 hours after the Tigers, after the Tigers finished the regular season with a 6-4 record beating Mississippi State 24-10 on Saturday. After evaluating the state of the Auburn football program, we've decided that it was time to make a change in leadership, Auburn Director of Athletics Alan Green said in a statement. We appreciate everything that Gus did for the program over the last eight seasons. We will begin a search immediately for a coach that can help the Auburn program consistently compete at the highest level. Sources told ESPN's Chris Lowe that Malzahn was informed of his firing just before a team meeting on Sunday. Defensive coordinator Kevin Steele will take over as interim head coach. Malzahn finished with a record of 68-34. He is owed $21.7 million, 50% of which is due in the first 30 days. The program reached the BCS National Championship in his first season in 2013 and competed in two other New Year's six bowl games. Malzahn signed a seven-year extension worth $49 million in December of 2017, a season in which Auburn won 10 games and appeared in the SEC championship game. But Malzahn's Tigers fell short in subsequent seasons, finishing fifth and third in the SEC West in 2018 and 2019, respectively. The offense, in particular, stagnated in recent years. Malzahn's up-tempo attack, which he wrote a book about and became famous for popular popularizing as a coordinator and then as a head coach slowed and regressed in some aspects as Auburn ranked seventh in the SEC in points of games since 2018. Another source of consternation was Malzahn's struggles against top teams in the SEC as Auburn went a combined eight and seventeen against Alabama Georgia, and LSU. What's more, Auburn was 20-24 and 24 against teams that entered the game with a winning record. All that said, Malzahn was one of the few coaches in the SEC who had any success against Alabama's Nick Saban. Since the start of the 2013 season, Saban is 65-6 and six against SEC opponents 
and three of those losses were to Malzahn. Coach Malzahn led the Auburn football program with honor and integrity, Auburn President Jay Gouge said in a statement. We appreciate his service to Auburn Athletics, Auburn University, and in particular, our student athletes. We wish him and wife Christy all the best. Candidates who might be considered for the vacancy include Steele, Indiana's Tom Allen, Liberty's Hugh Freeze, Oregon's Mario Cristobal, Ole Miss's Lane Kiffin, Louisiana's Billy Napier, Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, former Atlanta Falcons coach Dan Quinn, and Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott and defensive coordinator Brent Venables. So there you have the news coming out of SEC country and is not good news. Well, what's going on now in the SEC? Clemson's Dabo Sweeney disputes SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey's suggestion that ACC protecting top teams. So now we have verbal jabs going on between coach and commissioner. Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney says Sunday that he has no doubt that his Tigers and Notre Dame are both among four best teams in the country, shrugging off complaints by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey that the ACC is protecting its prize programs by giving them December 12th off. On Saturday, Sankey was critical of the ACC's decision to not reschedule games for Clemson or Notre Dame, giving both teams an open date in advance of their showdown in the ACC championship game. Noting that the SEC had played nearly all of its scheduled games, it was a bit of a politicking as both leagues hoped to get two teams into the college football playoffs. If the ACC was trying to really protect Clemson and Notre Dame, why would we even play a game this week? Swinney said, I mean, if six wins can get you in the playoffs, shouldn't nine get you there? Shouldn't ten get you there? Swinney was, refer- was referencing 5-0 Ohio State, which appears on course to earn a playoff bid if it wins the Big Ten Championship on Saturday. Clemson is 9-1 this season, with this long loss coming in double overtime to 10-0 Notre Dame. Irish are ranked second in the most recent committee rankings, and the Tigers are third. SEC's top contenders, number one, Alabama, and number five, Texas A&M, will both have completed 10-game conference schedules, while Notre Dame and Clemson each played one game out of conference. Notre Dame had its game against Wake Forest canceled because of COVID-19 issues, and Clemson saw its game against Florida State next just hours before kickoff because of a delayed result on a positive test. Neither game was rescheduled by the league. I would have loved to play this past weekend, Swinney said. I had no problem with that. I didn't make the decision. We wanted to play when we were down in Tallahassee and we're about to get on a bus and go play. Things happen. Swinney said that both teams earned their way into the ACC's championship game and that based on the outcome, both teams have a legitimate claim to a playoff berth 
that could result in a third showdown between the two. We want to crown a worthy champion, Sweeney said. It's going to be an awesome game. We played 10 games. Notre Dame has played 10 games. And we're excited to play for a championship. Crown a worthy champion for this league and go from there. We want to go play the game. So there is Dabo Sweeney's response to criticism coming from Sankey out of the SEC. Still sticking with college football, Stafford is the fourth FBS team to opt out of bowl game. Stafford is declining bowl opportunities this season after spending the past few weeks of the regular season away from campus, the team announced Sunday. The Cardinal, who spent the past two weeks in Washington and Oregon to play games there, are set to travel Monday to Santa Barbara, California, to begin preparation for their regular season final Saturday at UCLA. Stanford is the fourth FBS program to announce it will decline bowl opportunities joining Boston College, Pitt, and Virginia. The team has won three straight since an 0-2 start. On November 28, Santa Clara County in California, where Stanford is located, announced new COVID-19 restrictions that prevented football practices and competitions. San Jose State has relocated its program to Las Vegas, while the San Francisco 49ers are now operating in the Phoenix area. Stanford up campus December 1 to begin preparing for its December 5 game at Washington. The team has spent the week in Corvallis, Oregon, ahead of Saturday's game against Oregon State, which originally was set to be played at Stanford Stadium. In reading that and hearing about the schools opting out of bowl games, now, we used to come down on the players when they decided, you know what, I'm not going to play in this ball game. I'm a senior. I'm going to go ahead and get myself prepared for the NFL draft. But this is that one time where when you look at these teams that are opting out, with the circumstances that were surrounding them and under the conditions that they had to play, you almost say you don't blame them. I mean, look at your Stanford school. They had be away for two weeks from their campus because of restrictions in California. I mean, not only is it a physical challenge, you know, to put your body through the grind, but now you have to worry about the mental challenge. And you come up on Christmas time, this is the one time where the players are like, and I'm pretty sure the, the coach gives the players a little bit of leeway as to decisions when it comes to this. You get a chance to go home. Go home. We in the public, we understand. Only game, only bowl games that's going to really matter now are the championship games anyway. You know, a lot of times some say, well, it's good for teams that are like marginal. They could use these extra games and the extra practice time, you know, to get the returning players ready for next season and, you know, get them in an extra game. This is that year is really not worth it. Anybody wants to criticize them? Hey, last I checked, guys, this is still America. You you have that right. But at the same time, what these players, these young men had to do to at least get through a season in trying times to entertain us, I believe they deserve this time off. So I have no qualms with it, either or. If they decide to play the game, kudos to them. If 
they didn't want to play, which they decided they didn't want to do. Also, kudos to them. Looking at some more college news, this first segment I'm uh, dedicated to my college news. So let's just get right to this. UFC, University of Central Florida Knights QB, Mackenzie Milton, says he is transferring to Florida State Seminoles. Former UCF quarterback Mackenzie Milton plans to transfer to Florida State, he told ESPN on Sunday. Milton, who has been unable to play for the past two years while rehabbing a devastating right leg injury, said he chose the Seminoles because it's a great opportunity to play at the biggest level on one of the most historic teams in college football. See Florida State, the garnet and gold, it speaks for itself, Milton said in an exclusive interview. The notoriety, the people that have come through there, Deion Sanders, Charlie Ward, and Jameis Winston, it speaks for itself. I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity. It's something I don't take for granted, especially what I've been through the past few years. It's a very special opportunity, and I feel like we can get things turned around in the near future. So there you have it. Milton announced last week that he was transferring for his final year of eligibility, seeking an opportunity to compete for a starting quarterback job. He said Florida State coach Mike Novell and offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham reached out to him within the first day his name appeared in the transfer portal. Stop right there. Mike Norvell, formerly UCF coach. You see the connection. As a three-year starter at UCF from 2016-18, Milton was familiar with what Norvell had done during his time at Memphis. Okay, take that back. Mike Norvell was at Memphis, but there's still that connection. Played in the same conference. Though he has never visited the campus in person, Milton took a virtual tour and decided fairly quickly he wanted to go play for the Seminoles to help get the program headed in the right direction. It's something that really excites me, and I know they've got great players, Milton said. They're trying to figure out how to win, and they had a good win against Duke on Saturday. But I feel I can bring some experience to some of those young cats and be a good teammate and hopefully get the ball rolling there. Milton dislocated his right knee and suffered ligament, nerve, and artery damage during a game against USF in November 2018. He worked his way back and ran the UCF scout team this past season, hoping for one more shot to start a quarterback. But as it became increasingly clear that Dylan Gabriel was the future at UCF, Milton decided it would be best for everyone to move on. Going three and a half hours northwest of Orlando, Keeps him in the state and some familiar territory. He told Neville, asked how he was feeling physically, and Milton said, I feel like they trust my head. I feel like they thrust my head and where I'm at, believing in me with that. When I get up there, I'll have to meet with team doctors, but I'm confident I'll pass anything and everything they'll throw my way. Florida State has fallen on hard times recently and is currently 3-6 and six headed into its final scheduled game of the season against Lake Forest on Saturday. When Milton left UCF, he said he wanted to go to a team in position to win and with a strong offensive line. He said he sees both in the Seminoles. 
As for the quarterback position, Milton said he was not guaranteed a starting job. Florida State played four different quarterbacks this season. James Blackman, Jordan Travis, and freshman Chuba Purdy, and Tate Rotemaker. Travis has started the bulk of the games while Blackman has already announced his intentions to transfer. I'm going to have to go in and earn it, but it's not something where they said, you're going to be the guy, and that's not something I want, Milton said. I want to go earn it. I want to earn the respect of the guys, and I just want to be a good teammate to the other quarterbacks, like I was at UCF. At the end of the day, the best guy needs to play, whether it's me or one of the other guys. So it's my job to go out there and earn it every day, and hopefully I can do that. Milton is currently back home in Hawaii, working out with his local quarterbacks coach and spending time with his family. He said his plan is to enroll and be on campus for workouts in January so he can start learning the playbook and getting to know his teammates. And he was also quick to point out that Florida State opens the 2021 season with a Labor Day weekend matchup against Notre Dame on September the 5th. I know it's not going to be an overnight thing, but I don't think they're far off as a program, Milton said. Coach Norvell has got it headed in the right direction, and I think I bring some experience on how to win and what it takes and that work ethic. I'm not going in there expecting to be this or that. I just want to be the best teammate possible, and whatever knowledge I can instill in those young guys, I'm all in. So there you have that. Well, this first segment was dedicated to the college football scores and news. So stick around. Next segment, I'm pretty sure you will like it as well, too. I'm going to be bringing you the NFL action and most likely some highlights. So keep your seatbelt on because the train is really getting ready to ramp up and rev up its engine. So after this word from my sponsor, I will be right back. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Choo-choo. And we're building up a head of steam. Be right back after this message. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table. And you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to the second segment. And are you still looking for some more football? I hope you are because I got it right here. First segment, we talked a lot of NCAA college football, even gave you some news. Now we transition to the NFL. Okay, I was having a football flashback moment. Anyway, hey, I just want to entertain you people because when y'all listen in, I want y'all to be entertained. So let's get on with this. How about... Did anybody see this coming? 
And if you are listening to this podcast, when you listen to it, please leave me a message. Type me a message. Tell me something. Did any who would have imagined that on the same identical day that the Cowboys win a game that they were actually supposed to win, and they did, that on the same day the Eagles would stun the Saints. I'll get to that story later. But let me go ahead and I guess give you I guess I wanna what I wanna do is I wanna start out with some Sunday's top plays. This this season at the Home Depot. Yes, I wanna start with some top plays from Sunday because there were quite a few. So just hold tight. We will get these top plays to you and then we will give you the scores. Set this pass play in motion from the gun, backs it up, fires off to the left, jump ball and intercepted, picked off in the end zone, intended for Waller and Kenny Moore, back in the back of the end zone, able to intercept it and snuff out the threat by the Raiders. Well, what a great play. They were playing cover, too, and Kenny Moore was the underneath corner. Once he saw that the short route was down, he dropped back and made a one-handed grab. What a spectacular catch. For the interception. And that was just one play right there from Sunday's game. That was between the Colts and the Raiders. A one-handed snag on an interception. How about this one? And just give us some time. It will be loading up. Sometimes technology doesn't move like we want it to. But when it moves, it's amazing. So, let's get you this right here. If possible, we are efforting that right now. And here we go. Out of the gun, Brady takes the snap, has protection, looks upfield, throws a deep ball downfield towards Scotty Miller. Miller County makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Run, Scotty, run. Fire the cannons. Now, this one is very similar to the one that last third down where Tom Brady missed Godwin on the crossing route. And I mentioned off the air that Scotty Miller was running down the middle of the field wide open. Tom Brady had to move around. It took a long time, but he did a great job of throwing away from the receiver. What a magnificent snag. Can somebody say it was Miller time? Yes. I used that reference. Miller time. If you give Brady the time, he's got the time, and that was Miller time. Scotty Miller on a 48-yard bomb. Anyway, let's go ahead and give you some scores here. The L.A. Rams, of course, that was the Thursday game. Manhandled the New England Patriots 24-3. Kansas City found out that this Miami team is no slouch. 
they were down 10-0, then Kansas City went on the scoring spree, but then they had to fight to keep Miami from coming back into the game. But they prevailed, score of 33-27. How about them boys? Yes, the Dallas Cowboys went to Cincinnati. Came out with a 30-7 victory over the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. The Tennessee Titans steamrolled the Jacksonville Jaguars by the final score of 31-10. The Arizona Cardinals beat the New York Giants, which means the Cowboys moved the game closer to the Giants because of that loss. Arizona wins that game 26-7, and that puts Arizona in, the, I believe, seventh playoff spot. Chicago's offense actually shows up today as they manhandled the Houston Texans by a score of 36-7. And the Denver Broncos get a victory over the Carolina Panthers, 32-27. And those highlights you heard, Tampa Bay beat Minnesota, 26-14. And the loss, the Indianapolis Colts go into Las Vegas and hands the Raiders a 14 to 27 loss. The New York Jets, for all intents and purposes, let's just say they are tanking. Let me say it again. For all intents and purposes, let's just say they are tanking. Is there an investigation going on right now? I'm not sure, but. The New York Jets, let me say it again in case somebody didn't get the memo. They are tanking. The Seattle Seahawks cruise past the New York Jets. You know, I'm going to kind of be kind of sarcastic. They're always referring to the New York Giants as the New York football Giants. Of course, I always have qualms about that because only other giant professional team playing that I can recall plays baseball, and they are in San Francisco, so you don't have to distinguish between the New York football giants and the San Francisco baseball giants. They are two different entities. So why come nobody ever refers to the New York Jets as the New York football Jets? Well, I guess because of scores like this, 40-3 to is why they're not referred to as football Jets. In most cases, they're referred to as incoming scuds. Ouch. Yes, Seattle knocks off the New York Jets 40-3. The LA Chargers squeaked past the Atlanta Falcons 2017. And in a game that was a shocker, Matter of fact, going into this game, I do believe that the pay, the Saints were 7-0 and or 8-0 and without Drew Brees. Well, you can now hang that first loss upon a team without Drew Brees because the Philadelphia Eagles got to a comfortable lead. Then they had to hold on as Philadelphia beats the New Orleans Saints 24-21. Another team that was in a dogfight, but they found a way to win. Those Green Bay Packers and the frozen tundra as the Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit Lions 31-24. to 
Washington football team, well, as far as this from they say this, they just keep on winning. All they do is win, and their hands go up, and they stay there, and they stay there. Well, the Washington football team, and they still remember this song. I'm rolling in the town on a horse with no name. As the Washington football team beat the San Francisco 49ers 23-15. to And in the Sunday night game, I said this was a chance for the Pittsburgh Steelers to show what they were made of, and they did just that. They lost last week, and then they went up against a team that actually plays football, and they got beat. A lot of people were saying the NFC Championship game could come down to Buffalo, I mean, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Pittsburgh got some things they need to solve, and they need to solve it real quick. You lose one game, that's fine. If you get a bounce-back game and find a way to win, all is forgotten. But you lose two, they're going to be exposed. Buffalo wins 26-15. So, Having given you all that, headlines read, Chase Young, defense helped vault Washington football team in first place in the NFC East. I'm having a hard time saying that. Yes, I am a Cowboys fan. Yes, I am. I have no problem saying that, and it has been a tough season. You would have thought on the same day that the Eagles and the Cowboys won and the Giants lost, you would have thought that the Washington football team, formerly known as the Redskins, I can say they didn't get away with it, you would have thought they would have lost. Anyway, here are highlights from that game. That was highlights featuring Chase Young and that vaunted Redskins defense. Ah, okay, I'm sorry. That defense of the Washington football team. Well, the Washington football team dropped his former name 
had a coach who faced cancer and benched his quarterback after four weeks this season. Washington wasn't anyone's pick to contend in the NFC East. It was more likely to compete for a top five draft pick. That's why it's surprising to see where the team is now. In control of the NFC East. Bah humbug. Washington 6-7 and seven, used defensive touchdowns take over sole possession of the division with a 23-15 win over the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. The defense ended the 49ers last drive with a stop on 4th and 12 just inside midfield. Washington needed to excel as the offense struggled all game and lost quarterback Alex Smith for the second half because of a strained calf. Washington coach Ron Rivera said Smith's leg remained tight after halftime, which is why he didn't return, though he would be though he would have re-entered in an emergency. Rivera said he wasn't sure yet on Smith's status for next week. The game was played in Glendale, Arizona because of coronavirus restrictions in California. With three games remaining, Washington has a one-game lead over the New York Giants, 5-8. and eight. It needs to finish ahead of the Giants because New York swept the season series. We're not done yet, said rookie defensive end Chase Young, who scored a touchdown off a fumble recovery. I like to think, what would Kobe Bryant do? He wouldn't be smiling. He'd put his head down and keep working until he achieved what he wanted to achieve. That's the vibe of the team right now. We're not satisfied. Washington has won four consecutive games, and two of its three remaining opponents, Carolina and Philadelphia, have losing records. It's now set up to do what few would have expected a few weeks ago. Give the NFC East a division champion with a winning record. We're trying to talk about where we're headed, not where we've been, Rivera said. We're relevant in the conversation, and we have to maintain and be humble. Washington has reached this point despite Rivera's undergoing seven weeks of cancer treatment. Quarterback Dwayne Haskins Jr. was benched after four games and his replacement, Kyle Allen, suffered a season-ending ankle injury four games later. That left the team with Smith, who had not played since November 18, 2018, because of his broken fibula and tibia that required 17 surgeries. Despite it all, Washington remained strong, thanks to a defense that on Sunday showed why it has a promising future. Its young ends, Montez Sweet and Young, have played well all season. But Young dominated against the 49ers. In the first half, he forced a fumble that led to a field goal. And on the ensuing possession, he returned a fumble 47 yards for a touchdown. He deflected one pass and batted down a key third down pass in the fourth quarter. Before entering his post-game video session with reporters, Young spoke with his mom, Carla, on the phone. He told her to put her phone on mute, but then he admitted she was on the line. Young often talks about about her and says she wants him to get sacks. He got one Sunday and scored. Young said he was gassed 10 yards into his return. His mom was too. Oh my gosh, I was so worn out, his mom said as Young helped, held up to his phone. I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I said, he knows how to pick that ball up and not fall on it. And he got it and kept trucking. Let me add, watching those highlights, he like a quarterback that didn't know how to run with the football. He was holding like a sack of bread, a loaf of bread. Washington did not score an offensive touchdown Sunday. Rookie safety 
Cameron Curl, a seven-round draft pick, returned a third-quarter interception, 47 yards for a touchdown. Washington needed the defensive scores because this offense couldn't generate much of an attack. It was missing running back Antonio Gibson, and then Smith played only in the first half because of the calf injury. Smith completed 8 of 19 passes for 57 yards. Haskins replaced him and helped lead a field goal drive on his first possession, but that was all the offense could muster. Haskins nearly threw an interception late in the game, but the call was overturned on replay. Haskins completed 7 of 12 passes for 51 yards. But this was a game about the defense. The front, with five first-round picks, pressured 49ers QB Nick Mullins most of the day. That group is the reason Washington was optimistic about his future beyond 2020. But it's also why Washington is in position to capture a division title one year after going 3-13. To control our destiny, we're leading the way right now, and that feels great running back. J.D. McKissick said, this team is fighting hard. We believed when no one else believed. But with three games left and only a one-game lead, Washington can't afford to believe this race is over. It feels good because we're seeing flashes of what we talked about early in the season, Young said. The only thing we have to do is keep going. We can't add up. So there's that for the Washington football team. In other related NFL news, Las Vegas Raiders fire defensive coordinator Paul Gunther as playoff hopes fade. The Las Vegas Raiders fire defensive coordinator Paul Gunther on Sunday night, less than three hours after a dismal 44-27 loss to the Indianapolis Colts all but ended the Raiders' playoff hopes and dropped their record to 7-6. and six. It marked the Las Vegas' third defeat in four games. The team announced the move after Gunther's defense gave up 456 yards to the Colts, including 212 yards rushing. Las Vegas named first-year defensive line coach Rob Marinelli as interim defensive coordinator to finish the season. Raiders coach John Gruden was not available after Gunther was relieved of his duties, but did hint at his displeasure following Sunday's loss to Indianapolis. You get to the point where you second-guess everything you're doing offensively every time you punt, Gruden said, before referencing the Raiders' biggest win of the season, a victory over Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs on October 11th. It's tough right now, but you have to stay confident that your players are going to put it together like they did in Kansas City. We struggled in the first half in, Arrow, in Arrowhead. We found a way to make some plays in the second half. But when you can make it a one-possession game, you have to trust your defense. To be a championship team and playoff team, you have to have to be a good football team in all phases. The Raiders' defense has been anything but good this season. Against an aging, immobile quarterback with turf toe in the Colts, Phillip Rivers, the Raiders could muster only one quarterback hit by defensive end, Arden Key, while not forcing a turnover or a sack. As noted the Associated, by the Associated Press, it marked the fifth time under Gunther, who came to the Raiders with Gruden in 2018, that the team had a zero-sack, zero-takeaway game, tied for the second most since the start of the 2018 season. The Raiders have 
The Raiders had five such games total the previous seven seasons. In three seasons with Gunther as defensive coordinator, the Raiders ranked last in the NFL in points per game, 28.4, 31st in yards per play, 6.04, 29th in passer rating against, 98.9, last in sacks, 60, and 30th in takeaways, 47. The Raiders entered Sunday with the number 22 ranked total defense, 24th against the pass and 19th against the run, but tied for 30th in sacks with 15. This despite adding high-profile players in free agency, such as linebackers Corey Littleton and Nick Kaibatakoski, defensive tackle Malik Collins, defensive end Carl Nazib, safety Jeff Heath, and drafting cornerbacks Demont Arnett and Amik Robertson and linebacker Tanner Muse. The Raiders also added linebacker Raquan McMillan and pass rushers Vic Beasley, Takaris McKinley, Chris Smith, and David Irving. None have been de- difference makers. Injuries also decimated the defense this season. I can't tell you one game we've had this year where somebody hasn't had to go in and play more snaps than they thought they were going to have to before the game, Gunther said Thursday. So I told the guys, everyone's got to prepare like they're a starting player. You almost would rather know this player is not going to play this week rather than have it happen, say, in the first quarter of the game, where you got to kind of move the chess pieces around a little bit and change your plan. So... That's probably been the most challenging thing in game adjustments we've had to make, particularly the last few years. Ask after Sunday's loss how tough it was to make up for defensive mistakes. Raiders quarterback Derek Carr shrugged. My job is to take my job is to take care of the football, and my job is to move it. Carr said, "A team down the field scores touchdowns, and I didn't do that good enough today. It is what it is." So there you have the NFL scores and the report. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and take a pause right here. And when I come back, I'm just going to give you a little nugget and I will close out this session. So stay tuned and I'll be right back after this brief pause hey what's happening it's rick thomas with running the table and you already know you are on board the a train hang on for the ride Welcome back, and what I'm going to do with this last segment, I'm going to just go ahead and dedicate it to college basketball, as there were some games tonight. I'm not going to try to catch you up on over the weekend, but what I am going to do, I'm going to give you a few games that were played tonight. As there are some Sunday must-see moments 
we're going to give you a few of those highlights and then we're going to give you a few a few highlights of some key plays and give you some scores of some key games and probably a few more highlights. So let's just start with this. This will be Kyle wins game on a buzzer beating three point shot. If we can, we'll have that up and going here in a few minutes and we will have some other audio and then we will get you some scores and we will have a actual story talking about a team that was very famous and infamous for a particular style of uniform. So here we go with these highlights. To win down one. They're going to come right at you. They're going to force the action right here. For the win. Count it. Just did beat the buzzer. And not to be outdone, let's take you to Arizona State. Yep, Arizona State. You know, the same school that actually plays a little bit of football and was responsible for the particular football coach getting fired after the drubbing that they put on the team. Yes, they actually play basketball as well, too. Clutch threes. Watch Remy Martin coming off of that right side. Burns Jr. drives baseline, kicked out. Remy Martin in the corner for three. Oh, my goodness. What a big shot. They ran the old hammer play and found Martin in the corner. Corner pocket three. They run this play to, to get all the attention over to the left side of the floor and then get Remy Martin on the right side. What a difficult shot. He shot it from his, below his shoulders, it looked like. He just kind of catapulted it up there. Some catapulted it, catapulted it up yep. there. I'm so excited. And that was Arizona State's game winner over Grand Canyon. Uh, and looking at those highlights, seeing former Wichita State player Ashbourne Midgard on the court. So, let's look at this story right here, and we're going to close out on a story. That, well, no, let me go back up and give you more highlights. How about coming from operated app that lets you to? How about West Virginia and Richmond? Why is West Virginia highlights so important because this is the team that we'll be seeing a little bit this year in the Big 12. 30 years ago, Bob Huggins is doing that in 2020. Look Here's out. a steal at the other end. The floor. Derek Culver shooting up through that passing lane, and he is clear for takeoff. And that was West Virginia with a resounding 
victory over Richmond. That's right, number 11, West Virginia, 6-1 over the 19th-ranked Richmond Spiders, 4-1 by a final count of 87 to 71 was that final score. So now we will get you some scores of some games. We'll wrap this up. Northern Illinois, thank you for showing up against Iowa. As a number three ranked Hawkeyes boat race to Northern Illinois. My final score of 106 to 53. How about a high fern affair? Oh, Sparty. Coach Tom Izzo must have led into them at halftime because they were playing against a winless Oakland team and only had a four-point lead at the half by the score of 44 to 40. They did put a little bit of distance between themselves in the second half. They outscored them 65 to 51 in the second half. For a final of 109 to 91. And these are minimums on. We are going to pull up some highlights from that to let you see how that turned out. Very entertaining game, to say the least. Who is Oakland if they do play basketball? There we go. Now we got that audio. And so much for the audio there. I love it when you go to pull up highlights and you get a music bed. But anyway, Sparty found a way to win that game as they beat Oakland once again, 109-91. to Also, a game that I alluded to earlier, you heard the highlights, West Virginia beat Richmond by a score of 87-71. Yep, that's the same Richmond team that went into Rep Arena and knocked off the Kentucky Wildcats. I have to ask this question. What is going on with the number 22-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes? Yes, they are 5-0. and Yes, they won their game, but they just squeaked past a 0-3 Cleveland State team by the score of 67-61. to Why do I emphasize that? Yes, Ohio State is 5-0 and they're undefeated to rank number 22. But Cleveland State, after today's game, is 0-3. And, 
is there something about Cleveland State that we don't know, or is it the fact that it was an Ohio battle and they just brought their game and gave Ohio State more than they can handle? Another game that I shared the highlights with you on, number 23, Arizona State, 4-2, and two, knocks off Grand Canyon on a buzzer beater, 71-70, and I believe that this year Grand Canyon is also eligible for their first ever NCAA tournament trip, so we will keep an eye on that team. Once again, they have a former Wichita State player, Ashbourne Midgard, who is eligible and playing this season already. Game that was postponed, number 13, Texas 5-1 against number 2 and 4-0 Baylor. Also, a game that was canceled and maybe for the better. Kansas 5 and ranked number 5 at 6 and 1. Their game against Tarlington out of Texas was canceled. And the game between number 18, Virginia, and William and Mary was postponed. So, most likely, there's a difference between postponed and canceled. Canceled means that game probably won't be made up. Postponed, there's a possibility that maybe, I don't know. I don't have any more information than what I have right now. But there you have some brief NCAA college basketball news. I'll tell you what I'm going to do here. I'm going to end this segment here like this. Uh, I, I am going to look at the rankings. If I can pull those back up. And here we go. The AP Top 25. I'm going to give you the AP Top 25 as well as the coaches' polls. First, starting with the AP Top 25, and this is the NCAA Men's College Basketball Poll. Number one, Gonzaga. Number two, Baylor. Number three, Iowa. Number four, Michigan State. Number five, Kansas. Number six, Illinois, who just suffered their first loss to Missouri. Number seven, the Houston Cougars out of the AAC. Number eight, Creighton. Number nine, Villanova. Number four, number 10, Duke. Number 11, West Virginia. Number 12, Tennessee. Number 13, Wisconsin. Number 14, Texas. Number 15, Virginia Tech. Number 16, North Carolina. Number 17, Texas Tech. Number 18, Virginia. Number 19, the Richmond Spiders. Number 20, Florida State. Number 21, Rutgers. Number 22, Ohio State. Number 23, Arizona State. Number 24, San Diego State. And number 25, Louisville. Let's take a look at the coaches poll now. Number 1, Gonzaga. Number 2, Baylor. Number 3, Iowa. Number 4, Michigan State. Number 5, Kansas. Number 6, Villanova, number seven, Creighton, number eight, Houston, number nine, 
Illinois. Number 10, West Virginia. Number 11, Duke. Number 12, Texas. Number 13, Wisconsin. Number 14, North Carolina. Number 15, Virginia Tech. Number 16, Tennessee. Number 17, Texas Tech. Number 18, Virginia. Number 19, Richmond. Number 20, Ohio State. Number 21, Florida State. Number 22, Rutgers. Number 23, Arizona State. Number 24, Louisville. And rounding out, number 25, those Florida Gators. Prayers go out to them as we heard the tragic news of one of their players. Uh, and what I haven't done in a while, I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. I'm going to also give you the top 25 in the college football rankings because I'm pretty sure there's going to be some questions and some head scratchers. And why certain teams can jump over teams is beyond my knowing. I think it's the committee's way of saying there will never be a team from the power from outside the power five crack the playoffs. I'm still looking at, I'm still looking at scenarios that could possibly make that happen. But let me go ahead and give you the top twenty five AP. Alabama, number one. Number two, Notre Dame. Number three, Ohio State. That's a head-scratcher. They get to play for their conference championship and haven't even played six games. There's a lot of politicking going on in NCAA college football, and I don't care if anyone hears me say this. I want this to be heard. I think there's a lot of politics going on, and there are certain teams that are going to get special passes. Dabble Sweeney even took a jab at that. Kudos to Dabble Sweeney. We need more Dabble Sweeney to speak up against the injustices in college football and how certain teams can get passes. Ohio State has not earned this. Yes, I said it. The No, I'm not going to even give them that the name. Ohio State has not earned this. I'm looking at, if you want to reward someone, Cincinnati Bearcats. Texas A&M. If you ask me, Ohio State is in because of reputation, not because of anything they've earned. If you look at their strength of schedule, it is weak, very weak. Anyway, let me just go ahead and give you this before I get my blood boiling. Anyway, let me start over. Alabama, number one. Notre Dame, number two. Ohio State, three, fraudulently. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Texas A&M. Number six, Cincinnati. Number seven, Indiana. Number eight, Iowa State. Number nine, how about Coastal Carolina? It's good to see the little boys up there. Even though they will probably be left out of the playoff picture. The only hope is Cincinnati. Slim to none. Shame on the committee. Number 10, Georgia. Number 11, Florida. I mean, they only dropped five spots after losing to an unranked LSU team. Something's wrong with that picture. Number 12, Oklahoma. Number 13, the most fraudulent number 13th ranked team, the USC Trojans. Number four, I would even rank, even though BYU's current schedule is not that great, I would rank BYU above USC. That's just my opinion, okay? BYU 14, number 15, Northwestern. Number 16, North Carolina, after they just steamrolled, went into Coral Gables, Florida, just steamrolled the Miami Hurricane. Louisiana, those raging Cajun hanging in there at 17. Number 18, Iowa. 
Number 19, Miami. Number 20, still moving up, Tulsa. Number 21, Texas. Who would have thought we would be looking at a poll and seeing Tulsa ranked above Texas? And then right below Texas at 22 is Liberty. Number 23, Buffalo. Number 24, North Carolina State. Number 25, San Jose State. And their undefeated record. Coach's poll has it looking like this. Alabama 1. Notre Dame number 2. Clemson number 3. Ohio State number 4. You know in the perfect world. And in their conference championship game. Ohio State would be right for an upset. How about Northwestern in an upset victory over Ohio State? And that would put Ohio State out of the picture. Texas A&M, number five. Now, if I'm correct, is I'll have to find out if Alabama and Florida are still playing for the SEC championship. Or would it be Alabama and A&M? Or are they in the same division? Because if they're in opposite divisions, it seems like based on record, then A&M would be that team. And that would basically, based on the ranking, Cincinnati's at number six. Notre Dame is above Clemson. So let's say Notre Dame hypothetically knocks off Clemson. Would that knock Clemson out of the bowl picture with two losses? If Alabama and A&M is playing for the SEC championship and Alabama knocks off A&M, would net knock, which would automatically open the door, providing that Cincinnati knocks off Tulsa in their conference championship game? There are some scenarios where Cincinnati could actually get in and the state of Ohio would still be somewhat happy because they have a team in their state representing them in the college football playoffs. Anyway, let me go ahead. Anyway, let me go ahead and give you this. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Notre Dame. Number three, Clemson. Number four, Ohio State. Number five, Texas A&M. Number six, Cincinnati. Number seven, Indiana. Number eight, Iowa State. Number nine, Georgia. Number 10, Oklahoma. And they got their big Donnybrook coming up with Iowa State for the Big 12 championship. Number 11, Florida. Number 12, Coastal Carolina. Number 13, USC. Number 14, Northwestern. Number 15, North Carolina. Number 16, BYU. All these three teams I just mentioned, up under USC, I would rank them above USC. Number 17, Iowa. Number 18, Louisiana. Number 19, Miami. Number 20, Tulsa. Number 21, Liberty. Number 22, Oklahoma State. And number 23, no, 23, NC State. Number 24, Texas. And number 25, holding that 25 spot in both polls, San Jose State. So... There you have it. You have the weekend edition of A-Train Sports Talk podcast loaded with lots of sports news, highlight clips, rankings, and I hope I have said something within this podcast that will pique your interest. Leave me a comment. I'll be glad to get some feedback from you. I want to thank my buddy Rick Thomas for those liners that you hear. Trust me, when Rick is not running the table, he's tuned in and loaded. He's 
locked in, loaded with his ticket on board on the A train as well, too. So I'm going to say a special shout out to my buddy Rick Thomas for providing me with the liners. But the liners that you hear on here now, you know, he just helped me sound a bit more professional. <laughs> anyway, when I'm not doing my own show, I'm also listening to Run the Table with Rick Thomas. So we, we, we collaborate like that. So one of these days I'm going to have to get him back on my show. As a matter of fact, this is like my 94th episode. As I get ready to close out, this is my 94th episode. I'm coming up on episode 100 real soon. So I am going to have a show lined up. I can't tell you everything in detail because there are some people I have to reach out to. But that show is going to be about reaching out to people and interviewing people on my podcast. So that's liable to be a two-hour episode. I don't know how long I may stretch that out. But I'm going to have fun. My 100th episode I never, when I started this, I never thought I'd be doing this as long as I'm doing it right now. Never thought I'd be saying, coming up on my 100th episode for me, that's a milestone. Those of you who listen to my podcast, I greatly appreciate you. Once again, this podcast is also listener supported. So if you want to support this podcast on a monthly basis, feel free. There is a link where you can support me on a monthly basis. Uh, Starting out at 99 cents, $4.99, and $9.99 a month. And if you want to do the $9.99 a month, get with me, and I will give you a good deal. When I say give you a good deal, I will highlight you to the highest heights, even giving you a segment to come in to talk about your business. But signing off, this is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor, Anthony Smith. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.